Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And this week, we have returning for her three-time chip of not-quite-sobriety to Shitty Christians, we have Kelsey Lair. Kelsey, welcome. Hello, thank you. Kelsey, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking Appalachian Mountain Cidery Scarlet Rose Hard Cider with cinnamon, hibiscus, plums, and rose hips. That sounds fancy as shit. It is. And I should point out, dear listeners, that Zach is drinking the same thing. And I have to tell you, it is fancy as shit. I I am over here uh, drinking, I think it's called a beer. Wow, Michael, who makes that? I, You know, I couldn't tell you. The beer guys. <laughs> uh or girls or girls yes yes this is this is this is an alcohol inclusive podcast so michael what right. are we talking about this week with our dear guest kelsey lair you know we've got there's so much happening in the world we've got the ongoing climate crisis mm-hmm. we have another presidential debate happening uh we've got an election coming up so of course we decided to talk about the 2015 major motion picture event war room because we like to keep it topical here on the podcast. It's pretty exciting. I, I hadn't realized when you brought this movie up that it made $76 million at the box office on a $3 million budget. Michael, we're, That's in, right, baby. we're in the long run, wrong line of work. Oh, I mean, th- that is clearly true. <laughs> that, was, that was true whether or not this movie existed. But yes, this is continuing with the Kendrick Brothers of Fireproof fame. Their follow-up... A uh, yes. smash hit, taking three million and turning it into a lot more than three million. I got to be honest with you, I had never heard of the film War Room, and I thought in my head that it was going to be like War Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Is it going to be like a World War II situation?" <laughs> Uh, I was. I am totally into the idea of just taking all the different war movies and doing an Avengers-style team-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's kind of what I thought I was in for. I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> hey, but it does start with some war footage, though. I love. True. I love how completely unconnected the the war room footage is. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hey, 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 hey! It's it's in it's uh it's leading us in. It's the introductory number. It sets up the themes. But Zach, before we get there, yes, what is War Room? War Room is a movie about an old woman named Miss Clara who meets a young, youngish real estate agent named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is having trouble in her marriage. And Miss Clara decides to force non-consensually therapy on her by saying you have to establish your war room. And your war room is a closet where you go and you pray. Yes, it is also a space that can't have any clothes in it. Or shoes. There is no dual usage of the war room. Yeah. This is not a multi-purpose space. War Closet would have been a much better title for this movie. That's all I'm saying. It would have been more accurate. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and so then uh, Elizabeth prays in her war closet until her extremely shitty, almost abusive husband decides oh, definitely to be, abusive. Yeah. Definitely emotionally abusive. Decides to be good now. That's all that happens. Yes. That's literally everything that occurs. Well, <laughs> with the exception of some drug pushing and a jump rope competition. Also, I was going to say, you do not forget the double dutch on this. And really, really, the most significant overarching theme, foot odor. Yes. <laughs> it's so fucking <laughs> that weird. That killer in every marriage, foot odor. 
Uh, Zach, I thought it was interesting that you said it was like non-consensual therapy because, to my mind, there was no therapy. It was there was in also fact, no consent. <laughs> to th- to therapy. She she specifically said, "I don't want to hear anything about your relationship. This is exclusively mandatorily just prayer." It, the movie opens up. We're not going to do this like plot point by plot point, but this opens up with basically Claire's husband in Vietnam. Then Clara is husband is dead, and now she wants to just sell her house forty years later, and she meets Elizabeth. And I think it's important to actually get into something here. One of the most uh, sort of essential parts of this text: all of the main characters are black, and the people that wrote and directed and produced this movie are all white. It's not great, uh, Zach. I think you were telling me that this uh, this wasn't even originally written yes. like for black actors. Mm-mm. They just decided to change it up last. So minute. what happened is this project, and, and if you watch the movie, we'll get as we'll get into, uh, was conceived uh, for white characters. It's about it's supposed to be about a white evangelical family. However, the director Kendrick uh, is his last name, and not Kendrick Lamar, the other one, uh, or Anding Kendrick. True. His brother. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, really excited for Anna Kendrick Lamar to be a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Kendrick is my favorite. Well, I don't know. Kendrick, I can't decide. They're, they're both great Kendricks. Yep. Don't, you don't have to decide. Mm. <laughs> they're both great tiny Kendricks. They're very little. Okay, they are both tiny Kendricks. Come on, they would be a great couple. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we're evaluating Kendricks, uh, <laughs> then clearly we've already found it with the director of War Room. <laughs> right, you're right. That's the answer. So anyway... He had a dream, Mr. Kendrick, uh, about just like an actual dream, like sleeping dream about have, making a movie with black <laughs> characters and then decided to make the movie more like his dream. And that is how we end up with this project. Michael, what is the experience? Michael, Kelsey, tell me what the experience of watching this movie uh, in terms of let's talk about its racial overtones. <laughs> Kelsey, take the lead. (laughs) Yeah, Kelsey, take the wheel. (laughs) I was really hoping I could take the wheel on the gender overtones. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) No, I got that one. Don't worry about that. (laughs) It does traffic entirely in tropes around, like, black preaching style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, particularly Miss Clara. Like, Miss Clara is just Medea. Like yeah. that's the whole shtick. She she shucks and jives a lot. There there is there is a lot of inserting whys into words that don't have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it is it is it is very tropey. It is very disconcerting, especially because the rest of the movie has no African American vernacular <laughs> English, no attempt to engage with any sort of specifically black culture. Like the rest of it is absolutely very clearly written for a white evangelical couple, and then you just have this one character doing like every stereotype from like a 90s uh like movie about a black preacher it's uh it's like yes and and you're right to point out what makes it so strange and i think here's where i want to point out is the main couple tony and elizabeth seem like the whitest fucking couple of all time like and 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 to even get into the particulars of why you could easily pick up be like oh that could be a black couple but there is like there is no sense that they are in any way part of a particular culture or group that isn't, like, rich white evangelicals. Like, they don't even just vibe like white people. They vibe like white Southern Baptists. And when we see... So there's a daughter. So Tony and Elizabeth have a daughter. Mm. And she... We see her with her best friend. The best friend is Mm -hmm. white. 
Um, we see her, and this is gonna this is gonna come up later, but we see her doing jump rope competitions, yes. and just about everybody there is white. The coach is white, so it yep. feels like they're embedded in an otherwise white community. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like every other major character except Tony's best friend is <laughs> is white, and their church is sort of like vaguely mixed for no like, but they don't do anything with that. I will say. It made the black best friend and the main character being black made the black best friend feel like less of a trope. It was the only thing that felt like less of a trope in, in this <laughs> yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, for a very tropey film, it's it's not great. And it's, you know, I I think without delving into too many details, it's I think it's very you can't do a palette swap and call it representation. Yeah. That's not that's not how this works. Uh that's not that's just uh appropriation and and i can't even really call it that uh because again you didn't actually take anything from black culture no it was i i told i told kelsey this i was like this is a movie written by by white people who had never met other black folks until the first day of shooting yeah and And maybe even then and i don't (laughs) believe for a second actually no matter what kendrick said in his about his dream (laughs) i don't believe for a second that miss clara was ever anything but black because that's true like maybe the main couple elizabeth and tony maybe they were initially white Mm. but miss clara is so 100 percent the the magical negro Mm. who speaks like a traditional black preacher as she prays Yeah, that there, I just don't believe for a second that she was ever anything but that. Oh man. Yeah. No, I mean, Miss Clara is like one step away from being song of the South. Like it is, it is not okay. I'm not sure she's even a full step away. <laughs> uh, so with the blackness established, yes. uh, the other thing that we need to get into with this movie is that everything is a war metaphor. Right. Including the title, which has a fucking target as one of the O's in room, which is just a really upsetting concept. The basic, if you just want to sum up this movie, it's prayer is an AR-15 and you need to spray and pray your way to fixing your marriage. That sounds cooler than it is. (laughs) The problem with that is that sounds dope. (laughs) Uh, Rambo as a marriage counselor. I mean, it's actually pretty much of a piece with the rest of evangelical culture, wherein every single fucking thing is a war metaphor. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. This is not new. But I I did. Say, I think it's a little crazy that this movie about a suburban family having some marital <laughs> trouble starts with fucking nom footage. <laughs> it's actually insane because it never comes up. It never yeah, comes it's up. It's just like every age, war has been a part of humanity forever for power, for riches, for rights, or for freedom. Mm, a couple of those things. <laughs> yeah. And it is also, I don't know, maybe not worth noting, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Miss Clara's husband died of a heart attack. Mm, That's yeah, so funny. Yeah. Like he didn't, he would have died of a heart attack anywhere. Presumably he didn't have to be in Vietnam. Yeah. Get- yeah. No, the, the nom thing is totally irrelevant. They are just trying to establish this war metaphor. It never... Like, the metaphor comes up again, but there in no way should this movie start with fucking war footage. Uh, and also, <laughs> yes, like, her husband is so ancillary to this. I, it, it is absurd. Which is, but we should probably move forward. Yes. So, with, so Elizabeth meets Miss Clara, and, and without going all the way through it, what does Miss Clara do? Miss Clara is like, I see you, younger black woman, with your kid, and I can tell your marriage is awry. Don't go into any of that. Here's what I've got for you. What is Miss Clara spitting? Miss Clara 
sort of susses out immediately. You know, Liz is there mm. to help her sell her house. Right. And within 30 seconds, like, Clara <laughs> is on some other shit. Like, Clara does not give a single fuck about nope. selling her house or any of the information involved in that. She's just like, so what's going on with uh, how, mu- how much church you going to? That was so good. I, I love and it. I love that so much. Just just to give you a brief example of, like, Miss Clara's sass level, you know. Uh, <laughs> it would be racist to do it directly. <laughs> Liz is sort of like, oh, you know, we we go to church. We go to church sometimes. Uh, you know, we, we, we make it there, you know, some weeks. And Cl- Miss Clara is like, does, does your preacher so only preach some weeks? And then... In order to confirm that uh, Jesus doesn't like lukewarm believers, she brings Liz lukewarm coffee as like a jape. It's a jest. This like and when, blew my mind. Yeah, Liz <laughs> sips it and she's like, "Oh, it's lukewarm." And she's like, "That's right, honey. Mine's hot. You know, people drink things cold or hot. They don't deal with this lukewarm stuff." See, I'm already doing the voice. Also, this is not great. <laughs> no, yeah, it's no. not your finest. Canceled. Uh, <laughs> also, for the record, I drink lukewarm coffee all the time. It's like, <laughs> fuck off with this shit. Don't you listen? If we're talking about cancellations, do not put that in the podcast. <laughs> he lets. It's true That's though. He get lets you his, into some trouble. He lets his coffee just sit for hours after putting milk in it. Yeah, it's fine. Everything is fine. I'm stronger because of it, frankly. Yes. Uh, d- ignore the colostomy bag. Zach's fine. <laughs> yeah. So Clara, Clara is just immediately going after this woman's marriage super intensely. Yep. She's like taking her on a tour of her house. And she mentioned she's got her favorite room mm. and then doesn't tell Liz who it is, where it is. She's like, come back tomorrow and I'll show you. Clara invites Liz back to see her secret favorite room, which I just need to clarify. <laughs> never go to someone's house so they can show you their secret room. That is, that is a terrible idea. Real estate agent or not, no. Yeah, no. Uh, nobody's 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 favorite room is a place where happy things happen. So, uh, so then we get to meet Tony. Yes. Uh, Michael. Why don't you guys take me through Tony? Tony is a thought. He is a hard-body gentleman. He... Spends most of his time working out and pushing drugs as a pharmaceutical rep. And, like, Tony is angry all the time. He His eyebrows are a little bit overdone and kind of done in, in, in sort of evil stepmother fashion. And he is no, always No, he has full-on drag queen eyebrows. It is, it is not acceptable what is happening with those eyebrows. Yeah, I don't even know how they ended up that way. It's not natural. <laughs> and... The first time we meet Tony is he is yelling at his wife in front of his daughter about his wife giving some money to her sister and apparently her sister's deadbeat husband. Oh, yeah. This had big uh, black Republican vibes. Yeah. Like he he uses the phrase or uses the word bum repeatedly. Yeah. No, he definitely talks about this guy needing to get a job, about how he makes four times the money that his wife makes. Just yelling and belittling people in his life and then basically just goes to the gym this is a pattern tony comes in is an asshole and then goes and and and, uh crunches some iron with his boys yeah it was a pretty impressive level of like uh verbal abuse i would say like he walks through the door and starts yelling he's yelling about amounts of money that are insignificant to their lives given the house that they live in he's a farmer rep she's a real estate agent so they're both clearly terrible people already oh yeah but they clearly have money and he's just like furious and then yeah (laughs) negging his wife for not making as much money as he does all in front of their you know eight-year-old daughter yep it's it's good shit uh, and it is worth noting here that they live in a like craftsman style palace on a cul-de-sac, <laughs> oh, yeah. which we see many times. 
shots of like external yeah, I'm shots. I'm very of this curious house. which church member owns this house because this was shot <laughs> through the same church that helped finance the Kendrick Brothers previous movie, Fireproof. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's uh, I it was it's always very interesting. Fireproof. But yeah, this definitely gave it. me Fireproof vibes for anyone that listened to that episode. <laughs> it has that level of like both of these movies just assume that every Christian marriage is full on abusive. Oh, yeah. Like, no, that's the premise that you start with, and then you can hopefully make it good. I will say, not that it matters a ton, this movie is infinitely less fun to watch than Fireproof. This movie really made me long for Kirk Cameron in a way oh, yeah. that I am not totally comfortable with. Like, I just, <laughs> I need to say, I think Kirk Cameron has gone from mortal enemy to problematic fave because <laughs> it means a lot to me. What the amount of crazy he can bring to one of these movies. Because the acting in this is just so substandard. So unpleasant to watch. All of these people act like they are meeting each other. Not even yeah. for the first time. Like they're going to meet two years from now. And, and like it is, it is a really frustrating watch. Because crazy shit happens. But also it's all boring. You know your first mistake here you guys. Both of you. <laughs> was, we've had this conversation before was starting a podcast <laughs> was starting a podcast your second mistake was sitting down to watch this movie without animal crossing in your hands mm. i watched this movie while watching animal crossing and i had a perfectly pleasant time decorating my island for halloween i'm sorry that we're too dedicated to our craft to engage <laughs> in uh shenanigans during and this very serious thing of watching crappy evangelical And by movies. craft, he means the Animal Crossing there. We would never <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch right. this shitty movie while we were working on our islands, Kelsey. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, maybe we should open that up. We should all like open our islands up and let our dear listeners decide for themselves whose island is the most charming. Okay, that's not fair. <laughs> I, I have abandoned my village entirely. Like Sad. I haven't been there, I think, since around the last time mm -hmm. we did one of these. Uh, so that's going to be really depressing, just so we're all clear. Yeah, it has been a long time. I'll tell you why, Michael. I sent you a jukebox, and you <gasps> never logged on to get it. <gasps> Jacques oh, I, I pawned that shit on eBay. Sorry. Jacques That's fair. That's fair. 2020's tough. Yeah. Yeah. We have once again established a relationship in which the clearest, simplest, and best solution <laughs> is divorce. <laughs> and we'll now spend the next hour and 40 minutes... Just to, proving that a divorce should happen while also saying no, that could never happen. So take take me through Tony, where Tony goes and what he does, so or even just generally, sort of like what what's going on. Here's Tony's deal. Tony makes a lot of money. He works at this pharmaceutical company. He wears tight shirts. He crushes mad weight with his boys. Um, yeah. He it. hangs out with. He does backflips yeah. when white people ask him to do backflips. It's not great, and that is that is treated as cool and normal and not a weird thing to ask at all. I will say, it's the it's a coping mechanism. I feel like you could read that one thing is like I just want these white people to leave me leave me alone. That's why I do backflips. It's like when women get catcalled on the street and they don't like react in uh -huh. anger or violence. It's like I just don't want to make this worse. I just want it all to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, have women who get catcalled on the street considered doing backflips? That would be cool, though. I, I'll add it to my to-do list to l learn to do some backflips to stop the catcalling. Backflips and middle fingers every time. Every time. If you could backflip away from a catcall, come on. What would they even say to that? You don't want to know what they would even say. You don't want to know what they would say to that, Zach. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Tony... Goes to church sometimes. His like boys at uh, the gym are always getting on him about going to church. You know how it is when you're at 
when you're crushing when yeah, you're crushing at the you're gym with your boys your, with your dudes and they're trying to be accountability partners yeah. with you. Yeah. And this is a, the second movie in a row including Fireproof where guys spend a lot of time at the gym talking about their wives. Tony also there's a there's a young woman at church and I think at his work. At his work, yeah. Yep. But they he also sees her at church who is giving him some uh fuck me eyes. Pretty hardcore. Not nearly as hard as Tony is giving her fuck me eyes. Like she walks into church. Tony spends a full 10 seconds (laughs) licking his lips and just like eyes go down and they go up. But they're not done. Back down again. Back up again. The whole time Liz, his wife, is watching him do this. His child is next to him. And he is just full on having a moment. No, he's like going auga, auga. Yeah. No, this is this is a this is a Tobin situation. Thank God the camera didn't pan down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, after that, he got offered a job at New Yorker. Turns out, <laughs> so that that he is just on that shit. He is yelling at his family. He is trying to cheat on his wife. He like goes to dinner with this with this woman and is like touching her hand thoughtfully. So yeah, as this yeah. is happening. Our lady goes back to Clara and is like, my life is on falling apart. Old woman who speaks with a lot of sass, will you please help me? Clara's got a plan. Clara is going to save her marriage. Michael, what's the plan? Uh, so Clara makes a promise. She says, you give me an hour a day of your life and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change everything. And so Liz, desperate to save her, her crumbling marriage, uh, goes back to Clara and begins to do what people do with their mentors and people who are trying to like give them spiritual guidance. Mm. And she begins to like talk about the issues in her marriage. And Clara shuts her the fuck down. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. Imagine going to therapy and your therapist being like, don't talk about your life. <laughs> Literally stops her mid-sentence and goes, how much of this hour are you going to spend complaining about him, huh? <laughs> For the record, this another could another be doing word for anything. complaining would be explaining the state of the relationship. But okay, and then she, <laughs> I, I'm gonna try not to do this in Clara voice because that could be problematic. It's problematic she goes, when she does it, let alone us. I know. <laughs> it's it's not your job to try to change him. It's your job to love him, to respect him, and to be pre- and to pray for him. Men's don't like it when women be trying to change them. That's a direct quote. I know. So this sort of gets it like the. I would say it's slightly unstated, but pretty much stated, like, headship theology that is going on in this podcast. It is actually stated. It's stated earlier on when the... So Liz is sitting around with her um, two co-workers, two co-real estate agents, Mm. one of whom is played by Beth Moore. Wild. Yes. Blow my Thank you. I caught that. Zach didn't caught that because he's terrible at doing this podcast i'm not a, I, I'm, I'm not a real fan <laughs> and she says or one of them says it sure is hard to submit to that yep hard to yeah. submit to your man they're white it's okay <laughs> i can say that it's uh yeah. and so it's assumed they don't even really get into headship much it is the found is bedrock yeah, there, there's no debate about it because it is just like, well, clearly this is what you need to be doing. And it, yeah, it kind of sucked to see Beth Moore in this because we've talked about Beth yeah. Moore on the podcast. I'm sure there's a fair amount of problematic stuff there, but she has done a great job in recent years of being very vocal about fighting against like, or, uh, you know, fighting for more accountability for the sex abuse issues that are happening in the church. She's gotten a lot more tired of all the bullshit surrounding like her being able to preach. Like there are some things about Beth Moore that I really respect. So 
seeing her as a cameo in this incredibly regressive movie about how women need to shut up and pray was not my favorite. We might also assume some evolution on Beth Moore's part in the past five years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair, but 2015 is also not that long ago. Michael, that was like iPhone 7 range. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, I, I think I'm acknowledging the good things that she has done while also being sad that this happened. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, the thing is, I just can't tell middle-aged blonde ladies apart. <laughs> I just can't. I, they've all they've all got that like slightly spiky hair. It's true. It's it's very aggressive. So yeah. she says, clear like you need a war room. This is where the metaphor really comes to the fore. She she shows mm-hmm. her favorite room in the house. Miss Clara shows the lady, and she says, "This is my war room, and it's an empty closet with some writing on the walls and." Uh, that sort of encompass what she's praying for. And she says, all you need to do to save everything in your entire life is go into this room an hour a day and pray. That's it. That's it. That's that's literally everything that happens. So what happens from there? Well, Liz does it. She goes in, she clears out all of her clothes and stinky stinky shoes uh, out of her closet and uh and then proceeds to sit in her closet and the first time she does it she eats chips we see her sitting in her closet eating chips uh this is played for a laugh uh, (laughs) and it's also meant to illustrate how unseriously she takes Mm. her war room to begin with that she's sitting in there eating chips when she should be praying because obviously one cannot eat chips and pray simultaneously (laughs) and the uh the crunch distracts god he can't do both i'm sorry chips are feckless Uh, i can do very few things in addition to eating chips like all of my energy and heart and soul go into eating chips when i'm eating chips which is why i tend (laughs) not to eat them Um, but when you eat chips i'm all in with the chips (laughs) yeah she's also drinking a sprite and i just want to be clear that that was not sprite that was definitely vodka in a sprite bottle this moment has big wine mom energy this is not a judgment people should drink vodka in their closets. That's how we are all getting through 2020. But that's what was happening here. Oh, yeah. So eventually we see her praying and Mm. not eating chips or drinking Sprite. Like, she's starting to take it seriously. (laughs) She's spending more and more time in her war room, um, getting more and more emotional over time as she does it, sitting in there, you know, no longer eating chips and drinking Sprite, but, but like, crying and and beating her chest. Can we briefly do an aside talking about this woman's uh, foot odor? Oh, we have to talk about the foot odor. Okay. This is this is the most consistent through line through the whole movie. You could throw out the war metaphor and lose like three minutes. You throw out the feet stink, you're <laughs> you're down like twenty. There's like six or seven scenes. This woman has insanely smelly feet. Her husband mocks her. She, her daughter mocks her. Her daughter mocks her. She is like when she's cleaning out her closet is like gagging at the smell of her own shoes and like takes them outside to powder them. And like later in the film. There's like, when they come together, part of it is that Tony rubs her feet and puts on a fucking N95 mask to rub mm-hmm. her feet. Yeah, he is not even more than rubbing, Zach. He's washing. He's oh, washing right. her well, feet. Yeah, obviously. Jesus style. Duh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the whole reason they went down this route <laughs> is because they wanted to preserve, you know, I've heard this in every sermon about feet washing. They're like, oh, you know, they'd be walking for a really long time and they'd go days mm. on end and they wouldn't have it. So their feet would be really dirty and smelly. And that's why you would always let the lowest servant do it. I'm literally just quoting like 15 different pastors right yeah. now. So I think they were trying to get some of that quote unquote original 
emotional context into this moment and their solution was just to be like yeah but her feet stink like she just has fungus i just like i don't pretend to be an expert so let me just say before i get canceled as like a foot guy not a foot guy i don't (laughs) i don't think middle class women's feet are just like some sort of den of like smelly grossness kelsey comments thoughts um i think that foot odor can affect anyone of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and zach would really know about this that's that's rude and i, I don't know what issue you're referring to <laughs> it's probably true that people that have a lot of access to resources can also like invest in the various kinds of fungal cream and foot odor remedies that would be needed to make it not a focal point of your life. Yeah, if this woman's feet were as bad as the movie implies, it would be a medical condition. She would, like, need to see yeah. a doctor. And they make, like, six figures. Oh, you, these people are multimillionaires, clearly. <laughs> so the idea that this is just a thing in her life that clearly brings her shame and frustration, <laughs> as well as everyone in her life mercilessly <laughs> mocking her for. But no, like, no steps have been taken to handle this. She's just, like embarrassed and sad a, a woman really, who lives in a mansion can't deal with her feet smelling it's it's just a really weird through line and again i think it's one of those things that gets played for last but is not funny oh which is no. the it's, majority of humor in this movie and it, it ends up just being really upsetting because just the idea of like everyone in your entire family being really unnecessarily cruel towards you uh for something that you know you at best have limited control over and here's where I will take a moment to briefly describe for you the time that I had my feet washed. I was. Oh, this is exciting. Yes. I was in like sixth grade, Ooh, probably. No. Oh, no. And I was attending vacation Bible school. Yeah. And Jeffrey Epstein was <laughs> running Jeffrey that Epstein Bible Epstein was school. there. <laughs> oh, boy. And whoever was running the, like, fifth mm. and sixth grade, which is, like, right before you age out of vacation Bible school and go from being an attendee to, like, a volunteer, mm. they did on one night foot washing. Right. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I have had this experience as well. Continue. Yeah, and... There is just nothing weirder than a room full of, like, 11 and 12-year-olds being forced to wash each other's feet in, like, the no. upstairs Sunday school yeah. room at church. Nope, that's not okay. I, my feet were washed by the kid who had absolutely no social skills whatsoever. Homeschooled, start to finish. We can cut that if we want. Nope. <laughs> and, uh, we're keeping all of that. And, just, and had no filter. Like, that kid just blurted everything. <laughs> and I will say that I actually have, like, pretty clean, nice feet. If I do say so myself. And he like hit upon a callus. You're going to have 10,000 fucking Twitter followers. Yeah. That he had in this. <laughs> I regret yeah. everything. Yeah. They're, you're yeah. going to have people DMing, just like sending you money on Cash App. Just hope, hoping for a picture of those clean, nice feet. <laughs> the point is, there was, there was nothing like overly weird or gross about my feet. And yeah, you were a dancer. You had a callus. I had a callus on my feet. That's true. And this kid, Sam, who was washing my feet was like, ew, there's all this gunk. And just yelled it out, blurted it out in oh, front man. of everybody that, in you, vacation You kicked that kid in the fucking nose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you break his fucking face. I mean, I really did want to. Um, I was <laughs> so humiliated. And I was like, no, it's just a callus. And he's like, no, it's gross. And then I had to uh, wash his feet. Fuck you, and Alex. I sp- Splash him in the face, Sam. Yeah, Sam. Fuck you, Sam. Fuck Sam. 
You know what? Fuck Alex too. Yeah. Alex, where were you? You should should have done something to prevent that. Alex, Alex, Michael's brother. This is a call out. <laughs> You're getting canceled. You don't have very nice feet, Alex. He probably does. Damn it. Ugh, fucker. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that is actually crazier because my experience with foot washing. Because God. Youth groups are just terrible places, full of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. uh, was that the youth pastor went around and washed everyone's feet himself? No. Shut it down. Uh, <laughs> which took forever. We were all just sitting in a circle for 40 minutes yeah, for- while he washed feet. And you didn't have again, smartphones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we couldn't even tweet. Um, <laughs> this, this, mo- this MF is washing feet. <laughs> and in addition to that... Just thinking about that now, I'm not. I don't think that this youth pastor was doing anything creepy, but that's just not okay. It's that's just, just no. Okay. Sorry, no. no, no. It's it's. Not, you know why? Right. It's a little too close to a massage. Just a little mm. too. Yeah, close. that's true. I mean, I think a, a pretty hard and fast rule that doesn't need any exceptions is if you're a youth pastor, don't touch anyone under the age of 18 ever. Yeah. Here's the thing I'm gonna say: if you're over 25 and that is not your kid, don't touch that person who's yeah, under 18. Yeah, youth pastor or not, yeah. right? Yeah. That's actually a pretty good yeah. hard and fast rule for anyone. Just don't. I did away. think he was weird when it was weird when he licked each of my toes, but he said that was in Mark. Oh, so no. I don't know. I I haven't read it in the Greek. Uh, speaking of ten thousand Twitter followers, <laughs> <laughs> let's move forward. Let's. So that's the foot stuff. So this whole. Let me just sum up the entire rest of the plot <laughs> yeah, of this movie do. before we get to the second hour. <laughs> Liz is praying. Tony is out there having dinner with some girl. Mm-hmm. She invites him. Back to her apartment. Yes, she does. And as that's happening, Liz is just breaking down intensely and praying mm-hmm. and, and, and crying and just being like, God, stop this man. Like, she's sort of aware that he might be, like, having an affair. And she's mm-hmm. like, just stop it, God. I need you. And God's solution <laughs> to Tony being a cheating fuckbag is to give him indigestion. <laughs> Not to prick, not to prick Tony's conscience, mm. not to have him like see his wedding ring and be reminded of the vows that he's made, not to have him make, frankly, any act of free will at fucking all. <laughs> no, Tony just comes down with a bad case of the shits. And that is the only reason that he wasn't raw dogging this girl while Liz was praying. And this becomes Tony's redemption, a, a, a thing that he had no part in. And I'll tell you what, this, this hit a little close to home. As someone what? who is just prone <laughs> to like violent, sudden food poisoning. True. I'm like, how? Oh, no. I think you mean God's judgment. God's yeah. judgment, right. Like, yeah. yeah, last month I was having, I was attending my very first Rosh Hashanah dinner. Obviously, I'm not Jewish. My neighbors are Jewish. And they invited me to Rosh Hashanah <laughs> dinner. And literally like 10 minutes after the meal was over, I just started puking. It's a hate crime. And while I'm, like, in their bathroom throwing up, the news comes, I, like, can overhear on their TV the news breaking that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. It was a new year. What was she supposed to do? All of that can be cut, but... Uh, <laughs> no, none of that is getting cut. But watching, watching this movie, I was like, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I do to offend God that I was so humiliated by violent food poisoning so suddenly at Rosh Hashanah dinner? Okay, so uh, she prays. So, yeah, so Tony yep. doesn't have this affair, which leads to my favorite scene in the movie, mm-hmm. where Liz casts Satan <laughs> out of her home. This is pretty good. 
And this is this is sort of like Claire has been telling her like you're mad at your husband. He's the wrong enemy. Satan is the one that's making Tony be a cheating dick bag. Like Satan specifically is in Tony's pants, giving him that boner. Satan is the uh, hot girl, who's and so to sleep with him. you know this whole thing has been about how Liz is getting a little weird. You know she's she's eating chips in a closet. She's gotten rid of all her clothes, uh, and now she is ranting through mm-hmm. her home yep. at invisible enemies about. How Jesus is the Lord of this house. Get out, Satan. Get out. And he's like having a conversation. At one point, she runs outside, yells at Satan, comes back inside, comes back outside to yell at Satan some more. Yep. And she's saying something to the effect of like, you're not going to take my joy from me. You're not going to take my husband from me. Blah, 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 blah. She specifically says, you are not going to take my man. Yep. It's... It's pretty awesome. The idea now, is, sorry, Satan doesn't want your man, honey. <laughs> yeah. Satan didn't need to have the man. Have you seen Tony's eyebrows? He is Satan. Um, <laughs> no, and then as this is happening, you mm-hmm. cut to their daughter who is on the staircase and has heard this entire rant. Incredible. And that's when I realized like we weren't watching a family drama, we were watching a horror movie about a woman going insane. Um, which is later borne out by Tony's concern about Liz's behavior, up to and including her murdering him. <laughs> but we'll get there. So anyways, at this point, we're about less than an hour into the movie. Tony has failed to cheat on his wife. Liz has cast out the devil and proclaimed her house to be the Lord's. Sure. Uh, and, and now, the movie is functionally over. Well, okay. So I, I, there's one, Tony comes home. He, yes. he has lost his job and mm-hmm. he tells her and he's expecting for hit her to yell at him. Yes. She does not yell at him. She's just like, we'll figure it out. Perfectly human response. Tony decides this is the most insane fucking thing that's ever happened to him. And he goes into his daughter's room and like beats his chest and he decides to pray to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then after this, he goes and talks to his lady. And essentially at this point, all conflicts have been resolved. 45 minutes to go. Maybe 50. I think more, yeah. Yeah. The entire plot, the central plot, their marriage, they're back together. There's 50 minutes to go, and they're just like, hey, I'm going to try to be a better husband, and we're going to go to church, and we're going to pray together. And she's like, cool, I love you. Here's where the movie should end. <laughs> However, Michael, it continues. For... In giving us a very sort of like light touch, what happens for 50 fucking minutes when the movie's over? Absolutely goddamn nothing. <laughs> so let me give you the rundown. And then I think we should just get to all our favorite special moments from this. I think that's great. Uh, Tony, mm-hmm. Tony, right before he comes back together with Liz, is initially concerned that because she's being nice to him, that means that she's going to kill him. So when she serves him dinner, he switches the plates. Incredible stuff. I this honestly is didn't even get for that. laughs, but that is an insane thing to do. I saw him switch the plates and was so confused by it that I had to like look up on Wikipedia what <laughs> he was doing and why. Yeah, I had no fucking <laughs> clue because that's a bizarre thing to assume. Yeah, well, it, it yeah, the idea that like your wife being generally nice to you or at least not as upset as you're expecting her to be means she's trying to murder you, I think says something. Uh, I did read or, or, sorry, watch one review of this movie where the people had seen it in theaters and they mentioned that this was the biggest laugh moment 
in the movie that the entire Ooh. house was losing their mind over that scene. And I think it just really speaks to something that all of us were just like, what the fuck? But no, middle-aged evangelicals, they're like, oh, haha, you know how you want to kill your partner sometimes. You know, you know that thing. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how you want to murder them? Yeah. Boomers are not okay. This is what I'm trying to get at. I'm upset. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so t Tony, having received this kindness and love, decides to be a better man without having a single conversation with his partner ever no. at any point. These people that clearly have significant marital issues, never counseling is never brought up. Therapy is never brought up. Mm. It, 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 no, the only solution that is offered is pray for your husband in silence, but don't you ever fucking talk to him. And then the movie just goes. Yep. Let's see. Tony Tony participates in a double dutch competition. He, having stolen from his work and been fired from it, decides that what God wants him to do is bring the pills that he had stolen back, which leads to these long elongated scenes of like these farmer reps being staggered at the idea that this man would like would come clean about this thing, which to be fair is a dumb thing to do, but they're so amazed by this that they must live in a world where nobody has ever confessed to any crime under any circumstance ever and, like it is, it yeah. is a and then we get uh imperious white men deciding to send this black man to jail or not for stealing drugs yes you love deciding, it you deciding love it. this black man's fate uh for like solidly 30 minutes of this movie uh but kelsey you brought up one scene that i think it rests deep in my heart is one of the best moments and most interesting of this movie. Kelsey, why don't you take us through the robbery? <laughs> so Elizabeth, Miss Clara, and mm. Elizabeth's daughter mm. are all hanging out together. They've been at the park, yep. and they're on their way uh, from getting ice cream. Obviously. And they're in, I believe, a parking structure mm -hmm. when this deranged, methed-out-looking, white, hobo-like guy yep. appears. Mm-hmm. With a knife, of course. <laughs> Every mugger's weapon of choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. It's not even just a knife. It's like, clearly this guy is like just a random 35-year-old white dude. They threw some dirt on his face. And his knife is very much one of the kind of like knives that, that like Republicans, Republicans call EDC carry. It's like, oh, this is my everyday carry. This is my Spyderco knife, bro. This is this is what I walk with me all the time. Like it's 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 the kind of knife that people go on subreddits about. It's not a mugger's knife. It's just a really clearly just this is just a knife guy that got dressed up to be a mugger. Also, but continue. Also, this is just briefly. This has been a movie wherein white people got black people completely wrong. Here they get white people wrong because let me tell you something about poor white people. My people, they have guns. They all have guns. Too many guns. That is the situation at hand if a poor white dude robs you. He's going to shoot you. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that's how it's going to go down. He's not going to use okay, the kind of pocket knife that my grandfather has literally for the express purpose of opening Christmas presents. <laughs> oh, boy. I will say I once worked with a gentleman who robbed a Kmart with a knife, and he was a white gentleman. And he was also a meth cooker at one point. So I, I'm not entirely sure that I buy this premise. Interesting. Factory. Let's let's start a whole new podcast. <laughs> White trash. Yeah. Myth or fact or fiction. I did ask him. We were driving around. We drove past that Kmart. He was like, oh, I robbed that Kmart at knife point. And I goes, how do you rob a Kmart with a knife? And he goes, poorly. Hero. And we kind of left it there. Hero. <laughs> so anyway... This guy's <laughs> holding them up at knife point in the parking lot. And uh, and they're, like, holding their ice creams. <laughs> and then and Liz is, like, visibly shaken, really scared. And Miss Clara tells the mugger, 
that he will put down his knife in the name of Jesus. Que- in- questionable, but I'll allow it. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> no, I liked it better the first time. It's more honest. That's what Miss Clara does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so she's, you know, like really kind of like holy roller styling. Mm, yeah. This mugger. This mugger. Like, you're going to put this knife down in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus. In mm-hmm. the name of Jesus, I command you. Yep. And then the guy just walks away. Yeah. Yep. So Miss Clara has effectively manifested yep. uh, the peaceful resolution of this of this uh, violent encounter. They call the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cops are a little incredulous. <laughs> they don't believe that Miss Clara has just manifested the end of this situation. And um, at this point, you know, Liz is still pretty shaken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Miss Clara, just cool as a cucumber, reaches over and finishes Elizabeth's ice cream for her. Yep. She has finished her own double scoop and now she is taking Liz's scoop because there's no point in letting good ice cream go to waste. She also makes sure she makes a point of saying to the police, yeah, I commanded him in Jesus's name. Make sure you put that down. People always be trying to leave out Jesus. That's why we have so many problems in this world. It's awesome. It's so good. She uh, definitely, definitely prays about a lack of prayer in schools. So if there's two things that we've learned, oh, we'll get to what this yeah. this movie thinks about prayer in schools. The two things we've <laughs> learned is the solution to every marriage is to lock yourself in a closet and pray mm-hmm. and yeah. never have a conversation with your abusive husband or, you know, just leave. And that in any mugging situation, just tell the mugger no. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. In I the name of Jesus. Oh, sorry. See, I left it out. You keep trying Shit. to leave it out. Shit. Fuck. Huh. You know what? This is, this is why we are the shitty Christians because I keep trying to leave out the name of Jesus. True. Uh, did you have any other favorites, Michael? Would you, would you like me to drop one? Oh uh, yeah, take, get get in there. I I think briefly the gender is so good in this uh, without getting all the because it, obviously we've talked about it a little bit, but the like the assumed submission. Uh, there's a scene at the end when Tony is is on board and they're all three praying in the closet, and Kelsey pointed this out with being like, okay, now he's leading it, right? Like it was always going yep. there that like it was going to be his thing. But secondly, when he's or thirdly. When he's talking with his boy, Tony's talking with his boy, uh, being like, why has she cleared out this closet? And his his boy is like, and you know women don't want to give up closet space. And it's like, oh, no. (laughs) He's like, you know it's serious. This She must be really serious. When was the last time you heard of a woman getting rid of her clothes? Nope. Nope. Shut it down. Again, direct quotes, people. Women be shopping is one of the most important themes of this movie. Yep. I also just I I don't understand like she could just have moved the clothes like I it would like I don't understand why clearing out a closet means that she like yeah that, got rid of all the clothes that was so strange I'll tell you it what was they really have a house weird bigger than Walmart that's yeah, true they, I was gonna it say was very like strange I would have to to clear out a closet and create a war room of my own <laughs> I would my house is very small I would have to get rid of like. 50% of my clothes. Kelsey doesn't pray enough. That's why your house is so small. <laughs> yeah, I haven't manifested a giant fucking McMansion on a cul-de-sac. Yeah, mistake. We also haven't discussed that this movie is essentially health and wealth, name it and claim it. Oh, yeah. Claim it is actually on the poster for the film. Really? As well as, I guess, in the like marketing material stuff that they sent to theaters, not just churches, but theaters, mm-hmm. had information about why divorce is always wrong. Whoa. 
Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, they specifically, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with Fireproof that the Kendrick Brothers films uh, specifically targeted churches and did a lot of that. But this one was actually the first one from them that was released under a Sony imprint, their yeah. new, like, positive thing. So it had a much bigger theatrical distribution, and a lot of this stuff just got sent to theaters, and all of a sudden you can go see this movie and then pick up some information about how divorce is always wrong. Like, it, 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 it gets real gross. We were talking about this a little bit off mic, but I think – when we're talking about like the ideology of all these different evangelical films, for me, this is clearly the most toxic. Like this is, this is the most dangerous. Like this is, this is a really, really scary thing to be putting out into the world. And the movie itself is super boring and occasionally ridiculous, but the actual things that this movie believes in are horrific in a way that I don't even think like saving Christmas. Frankly, I don't even think God's not dead can match film basically says like no matter what your husband does to Mm. you or like in the world whatever crimes he commits um whatever abuses he does to you or your or your family you have to stay with him and if you pray your marital issues and every other problem in including a a violent attacker uh, will go away. And if you encounter any of these things and they don't go away, then obviously you are praying incorrectly. Yeah. This is, this is you failing in your faith. Uh, And you know, I, I, we have seen, I think probably all of us in our personal lives have seen people make those kind of claims regarding a person's health and how dangerous that can be when you attach a person's health to your faithfulness and praying for a person's health. Uh, but this is just as evil and toxic. And especially with the idea that like, you know what this, this movie never advocates for is communication or counseling is asking Tony to take responsibility for being a complete and other abusive shitbag. Like he eventually does apologize for some of his behavior, but there is never an accounting for the ways in which he has been a horrific partner. Like he is never asked to make amends for that. He merely gets to be sorry about almost cheating and then proceed immediately to, you know, pass go to become spiritual leader of the household. Yeah, that's that's really that's really well said. Can I just briefly say as kind of a jumping brief aside on that? Sure. It's like Protestants like did the Reformation 500 years ago and evangelicals has been spending the last 50 years trying to rejoin the Catholic Church. Like, let's get super into abortion. Let's 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 be super intense about never having divorce. Let's get rid of birth control. It's like hey, just go kneel to the Pope. <laughs> like, yeah. no, what the fuck is your problem, man? The the ability of um, evangelical culture to strip freedoms from its believers that are present <laughs> yeah. in Scripture and also just the history of Protestantism is really creepy and bizarre. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We There is a much more complicated conversation to be ha- had about divorce. Uh, but yes, this move of like, divorce uh getting less and less acceptable and more and more restricted uh in the evangelical church is really scary and keeps people in positions of abuse no Uh, that's that's super well said kelsey did you have any other favorites or even just thoughts on gender we've been talking a little bit yeah please yeah i mean so i mean my favorite was uh obviously the like 20 minute long double dutch competition which we have not even we've just glossed over that but tony participates in his daughter's double dutch competition uh and does Mm -hmm. his signature move the backflip Mm -hmm. the backflip were either of you aware that tony is played by a former professional athlete and now mostly motivational speaker no 
Yeah, that's kind of his thing. He's like mostly he was like a college athlete, played some professional football in but not in like the NFL, but like European leagues and stuff, and then proceeded directly into like being an inspirational speaker. So his backflip, like that's his shtick outside of this movie as well. I did really think this guy like that I'd seen him before, and I'm thinking yeah, he's, probably this just is, like this is his brand. He made the yes, rounds I, of you on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I I was very impressed how much they incorporated the backflip because he backflips into the double dutch competition. Kelsey, what position do they take at that competition? Oh well, they for they win first place, obviously oh, yeah. because they prayed about it, and you get whatever you want if you pray about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why Bernie's about to be president. I'm really excited. Oh man. <laughs> I can tell how much room you dedicated to Jesus in your closet. Damn. Yeah, clearly not enough. But there is a lot of Bernie effigies in there. Um, <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, it's, uh, guys, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I don't know how don't you Don't worry, guys. We're going to push him left. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> Sad. And w- uh, when Clara learns of the good news, she breaks into song. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is a whole thing. She is like scatting and then breaks into song praising Lord Jesus. Yeah, there's there's a lot of praising going on. Uh, Clara sells her home to a young pastor couple who immediately like detect the spiritual wavelengths of the home. Like the guy walks into the closet, comes out, and he goes, "Somebody's been praying here." It's so weird. <laughs> it's just like it's it's got a very like like. British mystery feel to it, like it doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, Kelsey's that actor you love, the Scottish guy. Oh, David Tennant. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's been praying yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's some very broad church vibes when he steps out of that closet. <laughs> He's staring into the rain. Somebody's been uh, praying here. <laughs> let's see other highlights. Their child calls uh, her mom and dad, ma'am and sir, the whole time. Yeah, it's cool. Just creepy. Don't do that. I don't, I don't like it. If I ever have a kid, I want them to call me ma'am and sir because I'm giving them up for adoption anyway. They're not going to know me. We're, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's incredibly boring. But the movie spends an incredible amount of time on this fucking, like, the pills that uh, Tony yep. had taken and giving them back. And there's, like, multiple scenes. By the way, I don't know if you guys caught it. Uh, his boss is the director of the film. Oh. Didn't catch it. Good catch, Michael. Yep, yep. So now the director of the film is deciding the fate of this man. And the guy that wants to fire him, Mr. Bowtie Asshole, eventually his car breaks down and Tony fixes the tire on his car. And that causes Bowtie Man to give him begrudging respect. Uh, so remember, kids, when you're trying to deal with uh, systematic racism, just change some tires. Yeah. I, I, I also want to say... Tony decides to give the $19,000 in products he stole from basically Satan, uh, pharmaceutical companies, that this movie believes that Tony needs to pay the $19,000 back to a Fortune 500 pharma company, which, as we speak, any equivalent company would be denying a grandmother her insulin. I mean, yeah, the Sacklers literally today, you know, just (laughs) confirm that they're not going to jail for killing tens of thousands of Americans a year for the past decade plus. Uh, So, yeah, the only cool and good thing that Tony does is steal from Big Pharma. (laughs) Like, that's that's awesome. It's all this other shit about apologizing for it that I'm not down with. Yeah, no, like, cool. Steal from Big Pharma. Be good to your wife. I feels easy to me. The, uh, the last thing that I'll mention before we get to the ending, uh, and it happens earlier in the movie, but there is a scene where Liz and their daughter and her daughter are like having a conversation mm-hmm. and her daughter puts her on blast so hard. <laughs> uh, this is true. Like, 
the daughter is like, you don't love me that much. <laughs> and Liz is like, what do you mean? I love you a lot. And then, and then her daughter starts hitting her with just like a series of questions. She's like, what's the name of my double dutch team? What place did we come in last year? Uh, what trick did I just learn? What award did I get? I mean, just hammering no, like, her. Like Hercule Poirot style. Like it's just yeah, and what's great, Like at no point prior to this has it been established that Liz is a bad mom. Like no. Tony's been established as an asshole. Liz has come across very loving and caring up to this point. So it is just out of left field. And then within a single cut, both of these women go from having dry eyes to like rivers of tears running down their face. It's just like cut away, cut back, and just actually the Nile coming down their face. Uh, so it's just like a really, really funny and intense scene. And I have never seen an eight-year-old go that hard at putting their mom on blast. But you know what? Props to the kid. And, Call you know, out. it does effectively establish that the labor of women is never enough. They can always be better moms. They can always be better wives. And most importantly, they can always be better Christians and prayers. And if they do all of the things, including at once Tony loses his job, be the primary breadwinner... Um, then they can hand the baton over to their husbands to be the uh, primary uh, spiritual leader of the household. Mm. It is that toxic. That might sound like, wow, that's a really intense thing for this movie to say. It is also exactly what this movie says. Yeah, it's just in the text. It's not even subtext. So, Michael, tell us about the ending. Let's bring it home. Yeah, so the ending of this movie is, I think, possibly the craziest part of the whole movie. Because... A lot of a lot of these other Christian films that we've we've seen, like they're they're really trying to speak to the culture. You know, God's Not Dead is very much not a movie about two guys arguing. It's a movie about the culture war. But this movie is at the very least, for the most part, a little more grounded. Like it clearly has an ideology it's trying to sell you. That ideology is pretty gross or very gross, but it's also mostly about, you know, this family and their boring lives. Mm. And at the very end of this movie, out of totally left field, uh, Miss Clara starts praying again. And this prayer goes places. <laughs> Mostly up and down the staff, octave-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. There, there, is, there are some highs and lows in the presentation of this one. Mm-hmm. But she starts praying not for this family that she's been invested in. She starts praying, you know, God, bring me another person to invest in. But then she starts praying for a a nation of warriors of prayer. And it starts cutting away from Clara to like a police officer praying in the break room to an entire classroom of children, hands, you know, knit together at their desks, to the Capitol building, to baseball players, to the American flag, you know, floating in the breeze. And she is getting increasingly more militaristic and increasingly more expansive in her description of like, we need a, a, a nation, we need to raise up an army of warriors for you, God, for you. And it just goes, I looked it up afterwards because I was like, I woke up this morning. I was like, clearly that was a fever dream. Like clearly (laughs) I was one too many of these, you know, beers into the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That couldn't have happened. It's three and a half minutes. Oh my gosh. That's a really long time in movie time. Three and a half minutes of just this (laughs) really progressively more terrifying see you at the pole call to action. I mean, it it does literally show see you at the pole. It shows a bunch of high school students like there are school children. Yeah. yeah, Grasping the hands around the pole. 
the flagpole. <laughs> you know, listen, this is a movie with a bunch of high schoolers grasping the pole. And now we're back to the feet washing. <laughs> <laughs> it, see you at the pole does deserve its own whole episode. Yeah, also, see you at the pole. I'm sorry. If you don't think that's phallic, I can't, I can't be your friend. It's- I think it really speaks to the fact that, like, all of these movies ultimately are about the culture war and all mm-hmm. of these movies are pandering to a much larger right-wing ideology. And even in this moment where they've actually done a much better job than something like Fireproof of trying to keep this grounded in the actual story that they're telling, uh, nope, they have to cut hard away from it. And then we're back to this very militarized understanding that prayer, just to be clear, prayer, which you know for these people is connection with the God of the universe, prayer is a weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool fucking cool guys sounds great it speaks to an ideology where everything is yeah everything is war and uh if you want to win the war of your marriage you better be shooting shooting some prayers the only thing i shot in my marriage were blanks kelsey okay did you do you have any uh thoughts to bring us home no <laughs> <laughs> correct um i did do some really inspiring terraforming during this movie <laughs> Kelsey's spending her life better than any of us. Uh, Thank you wait, for being Kelsey, on. Wait, Kelsey, Kelsey, did you, did you create a war room in your Animal Crossing house? How did you know? Thank you. I'm glad. I'm really glad. Thank you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and tuning in to this week's episode of War Room. And thank you, Kelsey, for being on. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Was it, did you intentionally say this week's episode of War Room? <laughs> I did, actually, yeah. Yeah, Kelsey, thanks for, thanks for coming back. Thanks for the three-peat. We look forward to having you on again to talk about how terrible evangelicals are at making movies. Anytime, anytime. Well, my name is Zachary Allard. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary underscore Allard. But more importantly, you should find Kelsey on Twitter at Kelsey Lair. And I'm Michael Tabor. You can follow me at Michael Tabor or the pod at shitty underscore pod. If, uh, if I can ask you to do two things before we get out of here, it's clear out your closet, make a war room, and then pray for more five-star iTunes reviews for our podcast. See you next week.
listen to me. 